0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: Hey, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, It all costs money and I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free, Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, You can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go, Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash peer pleasure podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash peer pleasure podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing.
2: And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with guests about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of The Offspring, Thrice, Rancid, Rise Against, and more. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. As you guys know, I flew down to Los Angeles last month, I believe, to uh, go to Fat Mike's house and do that big interview. Um, What I also did was another interview that I've been trying to do for a long time, and I'm really glad it worked out in person Uh, so much better um, we'd had it set up by phone a couple times and and uh, just didn't either didn't get connected or had family health issues or things like that to where it didn't uh, didn't end up happening so in person is absolutely the best with these interviews I think you guys would agree um, and I was able to touch base with Leah wellbaum from slothrust uh, right before heading to fat Mike's house at her studio in uh, Glendale so big thanks to Lee Um and everybody on her team for setting this up. Uh, Leah is an absolute gem of a human being and an amazing songwriter. And that album of Slothrust, The Pact, was definitely my album of the year. It was it was just such a masterpiece. If you guys haven't heard it yet, check it out. Uh, the Pact by Slothrust, just an amazing songwriter, amazing band, amazing lyrics. Just I mean the delivery, everything about it is just great. Um, I heard of the band through my buddy, Thomas Eric, uh, who you guys heard on like episode six, he was saying, Hey, you need to talk to Leah from sloth And th- so ever since then years ago, um, it's been kind of a ongoing thing. And, uh, once we sat down and started talking, things just started flowing. It was absolutely just a great time. Absolute great time. And uh, big thanks to Leah for taking the time out of her day, having us in her home. Um, I know it's a little weird, if you don't know somebody, hey, you're flying to LA for an interview. Uh, why don't you just come to my house? Um, you know, is always kind of a weird thing, but it's very uh, interesting to see somebody in their own environment um, instead of the stage or a green room or anything like that. Um, so, really appreciative appreciative to Leah for for having us in her home and, and treating us so well. And uh, yeah, so I'm stoked for you guys to hear this conversation. It was a lot of fun, very candid. And just, uh, yeah, sit back and relax for this one. Uh, let's get some business out of the way first, guys. Uh, we got some sponsors to talk about. we got Merge 4 Socks, who I talk about every week. Uh, I wear them every day. They are fantastic socks uh, d- designed by all sorts of pro skaters, um, you know, street artists, bands, uh, band collaborations. I've got some Circle Jerk socks, things like that. Check out Merge 4 on Instagram uh, or Merge4.com awesome stuff guys and they're sending me stuff all the time to try out and and uh even socks for my kids i posted some stuff up on instagram i think of uh, my kids wearing the youth socks they have now so check out merch for uh we also have artistflags.com on board um they've been doing flags for the show uh the studio everything just awesome dude uh cody over there at artist flags hooks us up all the time with amazing stuff. And we're going to be doing some stuff out and about, and we're going to bring those flags with us. And it's going to be awesome to have the whole tent littered with all the logos and everything else for the show. And uh a so big shout out to him. Um, absolutely. And RER studio, uh, check out Ryder. He is amazing. His leather work. Um, he's got stuff with Abercrombie. I know I talk about him every week. Um, you guys saw that guitar strap he made for me and the, the guys in Portugal, the man as well just amazing. He could take that detailed of artwork and put it into a piece of leather that will last a lifetime. It's just so cool. So check out RER studio on Instagram. All the links are on uh, purepleasurepodcast.com. And there's some vignettes on there, I think too, of of all the sponsors and everything else. So that's kind of your one-stop shop for us guys, but I'm going to stop rambling here. Uh, I really want to get this episode out there because I had such a good time. So without further ado, guys, This is my conversation with Leah Welbaum from Slothrust. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, definitely head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Throw us a five-star rating or a review. We really appreciate that. It helps the show out big time. So like I said, if you are enjoying the show, head on over and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts. Thank you.
3: You love yourself, but that couldn't have been the issue. Or maybe they just singing that now, cause they miss you. Try the tissue. That's why you laying on your back, looking at the roof of the church. Preaching telling the truth and it hurts. Y'all go make me lose my mind. Up in here,
1: up in here. Up in Wellbaum from Sloth Welcome to the Pure Pleasure Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> we are in uh Glendale, California. Yes. In the studio
0: in the studio
1: this is a uh a killer little space
0: thank you i haven't named it yet so yeah i uh i started setting my studio up like about a year ago or so Mm because the way our house is set up i had space for this but i feel like i need to come up with like the right name for it nice
1: any ideas so far
0: no nothing's spoken to me i don't like to force things like that so we'll just see what what (laughs) happens maybe today is the day
1: yeah how long have you been here how long have you been in this space
0: Uh, we've been in this house for three years.
1: Okay. So did you write a lot of, uh, the Pact in this studio?
0: I did write a decent amount of the Pact here, but I also wrote a decent amount of it, um, on the East coast, which is where I was before moving to California. Okay. In particular, uh, on two islands off the coast of Massachusetts. Well, one's actually off the coast of New Hampshire. It's called Star Island. Okay. And then Nantucket is the other one. My girlfriend's mom owns a store there. So we were there for a little bit and I felt... I always, I always feel really inspired being surrounded by the ocean and just surrounded by water. It makes me feel very calm and able to uh, clarify my ideas, I find.
1: Okay. Okay. That's something interesting to me t- is is what you're saying there about being th- with water. Why is that, do you think? Is it something... It's, it's I mean, I've heard a lot of people mention how water is calming to them. I have a... Uh, water's more terrifying to me now being a parent cuz i have a special uh-huh. needs son and he runs to fire runs to traffic and runs to water mm-hmm. and he's 7 can't swim so i have a different if i'm by myself sure it definitely has a calming feeling to me but now it's become something that's terrifying a bit of a hazard but totally. with you what what about it do you think i mean cuz it's a what i would what i would guess is is the the ocean and water is such a powerful force it kind of puts you in perspective of where you are as far as you're around something, you know that's so much more powerful than you are, or or uh, so much bigger. It kind of lets you kind of um, reflect on on that point, I would guess. But
0: you know, there's a lot of things about different bodies of water that I, I think bring about different energies. I think that lakes bring about a totally different energy than the ocean, and it depends on if you're looking at the Pacific or the Atlantic, but for me, something that has always felt really calming and inspiring is if you can really watch the way the water moves, because you'll find that depending on what moment in the water you're looking at, it moves in a lot of different directions at the same time. Even though of course there is, you know, a tide and, and a pull that is happening. Sure. But you can really only follow it for so long. It's it's I find it to be very hypnotic. Okay. And I like that. It's meditative. Your mind quiets when you're just focused so much on watching this one bubble or watching the way that this one wave pulls a certain direction and then dissipates. Mm
1: -hmm. I love it. We'll look at something like that with that much detail. Yeah. Like, are you that way with a lot of things where you look kind of look into things more than just surface?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I can be a pretty obsessive person. I mean, for the for the ocean in particular, I made a couple books like at this point, like five years ago, called the fucking ocean part one, and then the fucking ocean part (laughs) two. And it was, at the time that I did those books, I was more or less couch surfing because we were touring so much Mm -hmm. and recording, but we hadn't gotten to the point of of being a band where it was a stable lifestyle at all. So I, I was, I found that I got really into taking, taking photos like with film of water and of the ocean and just found myself very obsessed with that. And so I made these books that I think I have some inside. I can show you. But.
1: I'd like to see those. Yeah, the, the fucking ocean, part yeah. one and part two. and
0: actually, it's funny that you ask about attention to detail because at that same time, I started making these other books, and one of them is a collection of bruises from that same period of time because I was moving around so much, I was banging into myself with different pieces of gear, and I would get these these gnarly bruises kind of all over my body, and it was interesting how different each of them looked, like. there's really there's a rainbow in every bruise (laughs) 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 so i started to take photos of the bruises and then uh would duplicate the image of the bruise over and over and over and then make these collages of bruises (laughs) um and i you know i have this book i made a book about it called bruises Uh and that's all it is it's pictures of bruises and um it's like carried and printed matter and someone ordered one from me the other day I was like oh shit okay I like (laughs) forgot about it I didn't even have it I had to write to this girl and be like do you want like it's I was like it's gonna be a minute like I don't even know like do you want this I don't know where it is but I'll find one for you and she was like yeah no problem so I just mailed it off yesterday to her nice bruises bruises
1: man this could turn into a thing Let's get turned into a thing. You just start doing books on the side.
0: Yeah. We were were talking earlier about your side hustle
1: of drawing and and artwork yeah, commissions and stuff. But, uh,
0: man, the book, I actually did three other books that year too. It was like a really wild time. I I was feeling very, (laughs) I find that like when I'm put in situations that that are destabilizing, those are times where I'll turn to art and various projects Mm -hmm. and become obsessed with them and in particular obsessed with repetition and recontextualizing okay. the same thing uh, in a lot of different ways. So yeah, I did three other books around that same time. Two of them are very like stream of consciousness, like weird zine stuff, like nothing I would intentionally give to someone now, mm-hmm. I don't think, but it's definitely like a little weird window into what my brain was doing at that time. But then I also had one called, uh, this will help. And it was just pictures of different dolls in this one store that there was just all these different looking dolls. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. I can't not with this. So I took, what? so I took photos of all the dolls <laughs> and then arranged them in different ways and just wrote, this will help next to the dolls. Um, and I thought it was so funny to see this same like sentiment over and over with a completely uh-huh. different doll. And sure. I, I find that type of thing really funny. I, I try to bring sets of humor to everything. Yeah. That's something I've noticed
1: through like, kind of just being a spectator of what you do, you know, very, you know, from the records to the videos and stuff we were talking earlier about my daughter watching the videos on YouTube and just letting them just letting him play. Like she'll just sit there and watch them one after the other. Um, and, uh, just everything. There's a lot of like tongue in cheek kind of humor in there too. Like, but then like crazy cool visuals. Um, like there's always just, there's like this vibe you guys have. Um, which i really find fascinating like not a lot of bands have it but you guys have it like there's this it's almost like anything you guys do just has a certain vibe like you just does that make sense like there's just like this um man i don't even know where i'm going with this like it's there's just literally like a vibe like oh that's sloth rust like it's it's like this this comfortable feel as you go through the catalog, as you go through the videos, as you go through and then watching you guys live, like there's this, this, it's a whole cohesive deal. Crazy. Like it's very,
4: hmm.
1: it's like comforting, but not too, cause it's like, well, what's coming next? You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. almost like this uneasiness because it does, it gets progressively, uh, you know, as you guys progress, it, it just grows in these different ways, but it still has that feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, that you say that about your daughter liking the peach music video because we, you know, we're talking about what that was, that vision for the video I've had for a really long time, sort of a Snow White-esque yes, thing, and this exact. idea of music being so magnetic that all the creatures come, of, mm-hmm. the, of the forest come. You know, if it was a, if it were appropriate, and it were, if it were appropriate, I would have, like, real animals come and mm-hmm. be like that, but, you know, I would never ask that of beings in the forest yeah. doing their thing, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we had... Another treatment that a lot of people were pushing to do for Peach was Mm -hmm. uh, like a spin on Buffy, like doing something that was related to Buffy. And I was like, you know what? All that I want right now is to put something out that has no fucking violence in it. Yeah. No violence because there's so much violence everywhere and people are so callous to it now. And they have to be callous to it, because if you're not and you're a sensitive person, the world is very painful. The violence is everywhere. Um, It's even it is an animation, you know, I don't have as much trouble with that. But I would I like at this point in my career and as a person, I want to put art into the world that is that is nonviolent and that does not evoke trauma for people in a in that in that way when it is when it's being done for the sake of entertainment if you're doing it for like a deeper reason that's one thing but if you're like oh you know here's a steak here's blood like now someone's dead and it's just to sort of like make a joke of it or to yeah. be like cool it's like that's not that's not really where i'm about uh philosophically anymore sure yeah.
1: that makes sense i mean that and that's one thing like i can do i can just i can when she asked to put on the videos like i could just put one on and just let it roll yeah and, and you're not afraid sits, that and i'm not like- afraid <laughs> a murder scene yeah i love this you know and and uh yeah the it's it's cool because it's something that we can share in you know what i mean because i i love the stuff too but it's something her and i can watch together you know and it's something where and when i told her i was coming down like we told you earlier like she was super stoked because
0: i love the
1: the girl from youtube because she doesn't she doesn't remember people's names like i could say your name a million times and she wouldn't remember it like she wouldn't say, "Oh, that's Leah." She'd, uh-huh. she'd be like, "Oh, the 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 girl with the animals, or the the girl that flies in the laundromat." Uh-huh. Like, and, uh huh. And that's the other thing too is you you always have like a stoic look on your face, uh-huh. which I love the the <laughs> the woo part where it's just like in the oh and the oh, birthday cake. yeah like she, <laughs> she uh, yeah uh, stuff like that where it's just like just completely just straight faced. Woo! <laughs> I just I was waiting this well the first time I saw it what was gonna happen in this part like is it just gonna like just like look away or whatever but nailed it anyway
0: do you want to know a funny thing about the woo that I, do. I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> said this in an interview before uh the woo, to me, is a reference to DMX's edit, <laughs> to, to DMX's radio edit of that song that's like, y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's a lyric that's, you know, a song that I grew up hearing it on the radio. Yeah. And there's a lyric where he says, you know, he's saying, suck my dick. Yeah. And the radio edit is, suck my woo! <laughs> and it's like the most, it, it's the most like earnest enthusiastic woo you know it's like they could have gone with the silence but dmx was like yeah. nah yeah like, let me just like woo like really just commits to it and i just i think that's so funny and then i thought what if i put one in, b- in birthday cake <laughs> so now you know that you know much this is see, these are the things you just don't know
1: unless yeah. you ask. but that's hilarious i know exactly what song you're talking about uh-huh. i i how old are you
0: uh i'll be 30 next month okay
1: I'm 37, so I, knew, I we we're a little bit apart, but mm-hmm. I remember DMX in a huge way. Yeah. Like, back when I was in high school, even, like, it was just so dirty.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I loved, I loved, like, uh, whatever, the hip-hop that was on the radio in Boston, Jammin' 94.5, when mm-hmm. I was, like, 10 through 13, or maybe, honestly, earlier, like, you know, eight, eight, nine through, like, 13, 14. I just loved, like you know whatever really was on hip-hop radio i would make these cassette tapes just with my like boombox i would play and record and i would make myself these mixtapes and there's this one tape where i have the thong song by cisco <laughs> twice on the same side what? of the tape and it's just uh it's pretty silly but i was i was super committed to capturing yeah i was on the radio peaches and cream like that oh you know all God. the like All the like hypersexual R and B and like hip hop that you don't want your ten year old to listen to. I was listening to it and recording it onto mixtapes.
1: That's hilarious. So was hip hop like your first kind of musical obsession, or like, you know, some people like I grew up. My dad worked at a radio station uh, one night a week. Like he was a store manager of a, a grocery store, but he did the radio station thing. Volunteer in our little island in Alaska called Petersburg. So he, I would not be able to be quiet in the room, but I wanted to go with him. So he'd have me go in the room with all the records, and I just sit there and like play Wilson Phillips records and stuff. And like, (laughs) wow, I can get into this. Like, and then like New Kids on the Block and like uh, Debbie Gibson and shit like that was my first kind of intro to music. Was like straight up like boy band uh, pop star pop music. Mm -hmm. Was hip hop? What kind of got in for you, or were you into stuff before that? Like, did you kind of discover? I mean, you said 10 years old. So. so
0: my family is, I come from a classical family, uh, classical music family. Oh. Uh, both my parents, my grandparents, my aunt, everyone uh, comes from a classical music background. My grandma and my grandpa were both uh, orchestra musicians for the Cincinnati Orchestra. Wow. My aunt and my uncle were in the Cleveland Orchestra. My dad works for the Boston Symphony Orchestra. So classical music was my first introduction. Okay. Uh, but in terms of what I became obsessed with and really latched onto, undoubtedly musical theater. Okay. Without hesitation, the musical Annie and the musical Oliver just like, I really, you know, sunk my teeth into those two and was was super obsessed. <laughs> I would watch those movies on VHS like over and over. I had the Annie soundtrack.
1: There's a picture of me sitting in a little armchair with my, my legs straight out. I was so young, but holding the Annie record with that big headphone like I'm wearing now. Amazing. Off uh, to find it. But it's, uh yeah, I love that too. West Side Story, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're probably still a fan of that stuff now like it, oh, yeah. it stuck with you but um I love musical theater what was it about hip hop that did it for you do you think do you think it was because it was hyper sexualized and uh, like had things in it maybe you weren't sure about yet like that felt dangerous you know like that that mystique where oh shit my mom would not let me listen to this
0: you know it's a good question because whenever I go back and listen to some of the music that I used to really like at that age it's the the content is insane. It's it's not something that there's any reason for me to have had a deep emotional connection to at the age of ten. <laughs> it's really graphic, often very violent. Yeah, um, really callous. Really not not necessarily ascending the type of message that I want to put out into the world. There are so many exceptions to that. For example, Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into her records, you know, within the past like decade or so. And I was like, where, I don't know where this was when I was growing up. I just didn't, I didn't find Queen Latifah, but sh- like her record Black Rain is ama- is amazing and so nonviolent and uh, bringing about, you know, unity is like one of the hits mm-hmm. on that record. And it's, it's really inspiring to me to hear music like that, that was happening sort of adjacent to what I was listening to, which was more like, <laughs> yeah, the really sexual kind of violent, like, yeah. I'm not sure what drew me to that at the time. I think probably there was just some allure to the fact that I knew it was bad, and I was mm-hmm. interested in that, and that it felt unfamiliar, and I I was curious, and yeah. Of course, I you know I loved I liked the groove, the tempo behind a lot of it. It was fun to dance to. Really, I I, w- I remember writing rap lyrics um, myself. Yes. And oh, there goes the <laughs> <head most. laughs> well, well, I Throw my head back there.
1: Oh my god.
0: They were they were not good the lyrics i was writing i don't think were were very powerful because they weren't true at all it was like you know lyrics about about like you know people cheating on you and like (laughs) flirting with other girls it just like it wasn't it wasn't in alignment with me at all but it was it was my attempt to replicate what was going on and i was really uh I was really serious about having exact rhymes as opposed to slant rhymes, which Mm -hmm. is the majority of rhyming in music in general. Now, in particular, people are very fucking loose about what words rhyme, you know? Yeah. And I was a stickler about that when I was like 10, 11, 12. I was like, are you kidding me? I would hear these. I would hear (laughs) these songs or I would, you know, other classmates would write poems and I would be like, this is it was just crazy to me that people would not have an exact rhyme, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. people would run like dream with like C or something. And I was like, they just both contain the letter E. That is not, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't count at all. <laughs> like I was like dream, you know, we got seam, we got cream, we got beam, but like, we're absolutely, it's gotta be essentially an EAM or a yeah EEM. But even that There's I was that like, detail. yeah, even, the detail even like that letter change, I sometimes would question whether whether it counted or not. <laughs> but honestly, as a songwriter, as I've grown, you've got to break away from that. I, Slant rhymes bring about a way more natural feel to music sometimes mm-hmm. than having the like very obsessive, tight ones. Like, I think that's cool too, for sure, always. Yeah. But time and a place. Time and, time and place. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: Were you, a, were you a, a pretty curious child? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, all from the beginning. from the jump as they say
0: from the jump very curious (laughs) always touching everything
1: yeah okay still
0: like that honestly like take me into a supermarket you can count on me to like touch each piece of fruit if I can really yeah that's interesting yeah I really like textures and just like seeing how things feel man I wonder what that stems from that's that's a cool little I mean I've
1: I've never, I mean, I know through the, like uh, my son's sensory processing disorder, he's very big. He puts everything in his mouth and touches everything. And, mm. But on a, on a typical level, like, um, I've never really heard, heard, heard that before someone that's, that's into textures like that. Like I've seen certain artists that do stuff like that with fruit and things like that and different
0: mm-hmm.
1: explore with stuff like that. But that's interesting. Take you to a produce section or a farmer's market and you'll be in there for hours.
0: The farmers market I try to be more mindful of because the peop- the people who grew it are yeah. there looking yeah. at you, and if you're not gonna buy it and you're gonna touch all the stuff, like I won't do it at the farmers market, but at the supermarket when no one's watching you, I'm like, oh, what does this pair feel like? <laughs> this, is this, this cheese, like, let's see. Um, but yeah, you know, the that was like the inspiration for the birthday cake video is was we tried to do visual ASMR. Okay. See, that's
1: something new to me, too. Uh-huh. That's
0: like all that gack and all that all that uh-huh. material. We have so many outtakes from that video too. stuff that didn't make the cut that also wow. are. Um, yeah. Sort of juxtaposing different textures and like seeing what type of prints things make and mm-hmm. what it feels like to touch this object with this part of your body. Yeah. Yeah. I love Was that, that stuff. shaving
1: cream or whipped cream on that base.
0: Uh, that was shaving cream shaving, was that an actual that was, base
1: you guys use or was that just like a yeah that bait? was that
0: was uh that was will's base it was like you know a cheap base that he had okay. for you know i don't know how he got inherited it yeah. somehow no big deal <laughs> but yeah that was the idea was for it to be frosting originally was my vision for it but yeah. frosting does not look compelling on camera in the same way that shaving cream does especially somewhat, if probably, mixed yeah. with dye but uh yeah, so that was sort of a more dynamic texture.
1: Okay, because you guys texturally as well. I'm mean, using that as a uh, sonically now. Is your music does have a lot of different textures to it, and the the other thing that really does it on my end for with what you guys do is the lyrics and the the just the overall presentation. But the lyrics, your lyrics are insane. Like, I, <laughs> I, I I'm just sitting in the car listening, and I'll just kind of. <laughs> and someone looks at me like oh okay and i'll just laugh again like the 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 um some of the lines are just absolutely just so witty and so like just i don't even know how to describe it like it's just there's something there that just gets me every time like i'll just i'll hear stuff <laughs> i didn't notice before and the way the, the way you phrase things and the way the way you tie things together and ideas together um like i think the first song i heard from you guys was horseshoe crab and i was listening to that and i was just like this is this is awesome like i was just like, like the lyrics and that, sometimes i feel like a seahorse sometimes i feel like a horseshoe crab like and then watching the video for it and everything else like tied everything together again with all that so um but then you know listening to more and more of the band like the lyrics just got more and more more they meant more to me than they did originally because i started to dig in more and, and you just have an interesting mind. Like when you're writing lyrics, do you, how does that go for you? Do, you? do you sit in like a quiet spot and write? Do you sit in the van or can you write with people around? I mean you have, it seems like a lot of thought goes into it. I mean some people I guess can just write, just sit down and write, write a whole song all at once. But it seems like you maybe you put a lot of time into the lyrical content because it just seems like it's so on point. You know mm. I mean, does that make sense? Like, it seems yeah, totally. like a lot of preparation goes in to have that much wit. Like, it's it's just really interesting. Like, it's, it's there's no band out there I could put you guys side by side with and be like, oh yeah, her songs are kind of like this. Hmm. There isn't. Like, it's just like this is completely original.
0: You know, I've done creative writing my whole life ever since I was a kid. I've just loved to to do creative writing, write different mm-hmm. sort of fiction stories I wrote like this one short story when I was 10 that was like a I mean looking back I'm like wow this is I I was really uh curious about the JonBenet Ramsey murder um the the little girl yeah like yeah I was you know a little I was older than her but not that much older and I just it was just such a mystery I couldn't believe it so I wrote this short story like essentially as though this like kind of a, sp- a spin-off of that where this like teenage boy named Cameron solves the case and finds her in, in her parents' attic. <laughs> oh like alive, alive, alive. <laughs> yeah. Finds her alive. I know uh, it's wild. But anyway, yeah, I've always written like poetry and prose and I definitely with lyrics aim to write something that can stand on its own without the music. Sure. That's kind of always my goal. Okay. Um, and this was the first time we've had, uh, budget to do album art in a way where i was able to like make a booklet i'll give you a copy of the record actually if you don't have it
1: awesome yeah i don't have the vinyl oh i I got one
0: inside for you Really? i actually got a special edition translucent orange one inside that was supposed to only be in europe but ended up in the states at a bunch of retail stores so perfect that was confusing for people but you know fine now you'll get one yeah but yeah we have a you know a booklet inside that has all the lyrics laid out as poetry which is how i always intended to be i try to print my lyrics um with every record I've been like really adamant about that but we finally got to do it in a a book format which is cool because I'm like maybe working on a book of poetry like sort of figuring out uh, where all that stuff falls in line but okay yeah
1: so uh, so you'll I I was I was in the car with the kids and my wife the other day and I had the pack playing um, and I hadn't played it for my wife yet she'd never heard it I just kind of let it play I didn't say anything about it I just kind of let it play and you know, two or three songs in, she's like, "I really like this. Who is this?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Slothrust." And she's like, "Who?" And I was like, "Oh, hold on a second. And I started like walking her through the record and stuff like that, where uh, I play her "New Red Pants," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Just listen to the words. They're amazing." <laughs> just, and the way it's delivered too. That's the other thing. Like the the like going in, almost like the uh, going into a whisper when when you talk about they met or uh, uh, what's the line? My mind's going blank now. Um, when you say it could kill you, but you like wisp and it's just so point like (laughs) it's the way it's delivered makes it even better as far as, you know, uh, versus like reading it on page. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Having that, that part behind it, which I'm sure is how it was meant to be done. Um, this, this book of poetry you may be working on. Do you, do you pull from that, that pot when you're doing lyrics, like you say, you'll write it as poetry and bring it into the, into the deal? Or do you, does it go to music first, lyrics, and then no? Nope, I'm gonna put this aside into a poetry.
0: So what's setting. worked for me? I've done I've done uh, five full length records now. Mm-hmm. Four with Slothrust and one with my side project, which is called Animal Planet. And um, I did not know about this. Oh yeah, I got a side project called Animal Planet. It's a uh, with this person mickey she's an amazing drummer but she lives in new york okay which is where i used to live and so we had the project going there and our whole thing is we would only play uh, unconventional shows we played at like a rave one time we played on star island off the coast okay. of new hampshire but we didn't really do properly promoted events it was very much more of uh, a cathartic project just to get uh get stuff out but we did we did end up making a record putting it out with a uh, bada bing which is who uh they have like the early Sharon Bennett and Beirut. They did the second Slothrest record. Okay. Uh. So that was cool. You the said th- to
1: get stuff out with that. Was that like a difficult project? Animal Planet. Yeah, you're saying it might kind of cathartic to get stuff out. Like
0: it was cool to to have a, a project where there was no pressure. You know, you it, there was a lot of it. improv in that. Very instrumental. Like you know, there are we both sing and there's lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. If you were to, like, you know, cap, if you were to, like, measure how, how much of that record is lyrics versus instrumental, it's heavily instrumental. Um, I've always been really passionate about composition and instrumental music, so it was a really good outlet for that versus, like, where Slothrest is at, the songs have only been getting tighter over mm-hmm. the years. Things are getting um, a little bit more succinct, which I think is part of becoming a more practiced songwriter for, like, the type of music that we're doing. yeah. But I really like I play these like once a month I do. I play uh, I'm I'm the live accompanist for a yoga class in Highland Park. And (laughs) yes, and so it's an hour and 15 minutes of guitar solo guitar improv for a yoga class for a yoga class. So I have a really particular pedal board set up for it and Yeah, I bust out an hour and fifteen of of improv, just instrumental. Definitely, you know, I've never even even considered bringing vocal into it. That would really throw everyone. Uh, But yeah, that's I find that to be hugely satisfying because you're not there's there's nothing preconceived about it really. Yeah, you're you're not attached to what you're playing, and if you play a note and it wasn't the note you were going for for some reason. Mm play it again and see how it feels and see what that energetically brings to what you're working with and expand upon that and really let it grow naturally and I think that kind of connects to the whole water thing and this Mm -hmm. idea of water being able to move in multiple directions at one time sort of your eye catching different parts and you kind of have this this freedom in that
1: man that's interesting I would love to see that that's (laughs) Is that something you would put out eventually like a like a uh, either a recording of it or on YouTube or something like that? Where...
0: Yeah, I've been getting so many requests from like different yoga teachers, different, um, you know, healers and people who work in sort of meditative energy work and wanting that music. So I'm in the process of figuring out uh, the best way to record it and if I should do a proper release or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's we'll see.
1: Have you thought about doing the ASMR stuff? on your own as far as
0: oh like audio speaking yeah
1: like the the you have that um i think
0: you'd be good at it i mean you have that voice like, <laughs> i kind of do too i i kind of do too think i would be good know. at it i have thought about it um i have so many things i'm working on all the time that yeah. it's definitely not been a priority sure for me if i saw a way to monetize it Mm -hmm. quickly I think I would make it a higher priority if I was if I thought I could do that Um, but there's a lot of people who do that that are so amazing at it and who have really uh, particular setups and Mm. I don't know if I'm looking to go that direction yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I'm open I'm sort of like a very open-minded person but I'm also kind of a definitely like off the road more of a private person my like thing for stage is one thing and then you know I'm I'm I, I definitely like am am not like the Internet has been an interesting learning curve for me because I mm-hmm. loved the Internet when I came out when I was, you know, a 10, 11, 12. I was yeah, like, this is wild. This is interesting. Um, there was a lot to it. I thought LiveJournal was cool. MySpace was cool. LiveJournal. And then <laughs> and then now it's almost like you see people are really, really intimate on the Internet. And yeah. I when the when the band first started. I was really uh, uncomfortable. I didn't speak on stage at all. It was, I love to play. I've always loved to play it, but I wasn't interested in even necessarily being a front person. I've always Mm -hmm. been happy, happy like being an accompanist for, for other artists. I do that too. If if we're not touring, if other artists call me, I'm happy to just support a different vocalist. I'm not someone who like needs that spotlight. Uh, So it's, it's been interesting, like sort of seeing what works on the internet and being like, oh shit, people are just looking to like, they want you to open the fuck up and like mm-hmm. share all this. And so it's it's interesting trying to figure out what you want to share and what makes you feel like good and in and, and excited to do it as opposed to, you know, I, I don't want to share anything or be a certain way that I feel like resentful toward like toward anyone like I like it's I don't I feel like there's there's times to push yourself and there's times to not. So sure. It's interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a wild, evolving thing. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't speak to me, though, the way that it did when I was younger. Sure. I'm not, like, excited by the internet or anything anymore.
1: Well, now it's like it's just such a tool. Like, and you're in a weird position, too, which, you know, touring. Because a lot of people put stuff out on the internet that never leave their town and never leave their house, never leave their street, you know? And they live on the internet, whether it's the people that put just everything about themselves out there. Um, but touring, you can run into these people, you know, that, that Mm -hmm. in, in other cities. And I don't mean it that way. You can run into people that may be watching what you do on the internet. So if you put yourself out there too much, there's someone in, you know, uh, uh, you know, Nebraska that may be like, has been watching you on the internet, the stuff you put out and then comes up to you and then It's like this person knows you.
0: Yeah, that fully happens. You don't. Yeah, but that's a weird, unique
1: situation to Mm -hmm. be in because most people don't get out and travel like that you know to run into these people totally. and they know where you are
0: they know where you are they know where Here's you're going show. yeah they know the next one i feel so grateful this last tour was really affirming to me that we have the best fans we have such great fans we did our first meet and greets how did that go i oh saw my God. on instagram i was yesterday. like ah oh, fuck like i you know i, I was like i, I sort of <laughs> felt weird about the whole premise of it because i i'm I don't want anyone to feel like they have to pay to to meet me and mm-hmm. i'm, I'm ha- i am I want to be as available to fans as i can within my own boundaries but uh we did these two meet and greets and everyone who came was amazing was an angel and people uh had our fans have really amazing boundaries i i feel like i we've toured with artists and i know artists who have fans with really bad boundaries and that's really uh-huh. hard because they they make your career happen and they support you and sure. that's that's absolute that's crucial but they also want more from you than you have to give and I, for the most part our fans are super appropriate and really passionate and like want to share a couple things and ask a couple questions but Uh, physically everyone had amazing boundaries. No one was like running at us or doing anything like that. Yeah, And it was just all like the energy was just really good. I felt like, oh, like what a cool group of people here. I I didn't, it didn't feel like a push at all. I was actually really excited to do the meet and greets and they went great. They went so well that I'm looking forward to doing them again in other places because it was clear that the people who have that much interest in the band are all like lovely and interesting and Mm -hmm. from different places and, and all different. You know, it wasn't like, it was it was not all one age group or people from who all looked a certain way. It was a really, really wide range of people. And I love that. That's it was it couldn't have really gone much better. It's a
1: super interesting uh, concept too. the meet and greet thing that's been going, you know, all over the place now that people aren't buying records like they were before. Like bands have to do what they have to do, you know, like you can see a lot of the meet and greets that are literally just a money grab like hey, <laughs> we, how you we totally like, lost you? money on our meet yes. and greets because we didn't <laughs> plan
0: them right i said i said ahead of time i was like you guys were not i don't think we're setting this up right to be profitable and yeah we didn't we just like didn't you know a lot of the product like one of the products we got was these custom sloth rust dice which i was so hyped on and they're uh-huh. so cool but of course that we didn't look into what the order minimum would be and we got like a thousand dollars of dice for like two meet and greets you know (laughs) so we you know it it wasn't the smoothest but it was it was great though because now I'm now I'm excited to do them another time and feel comfortable about the prospect of them and it was a really good just experience overall sure what did you guys do when you plan those out what did you what did you
1: research as far as doing your meet and greet because you guys probably had a certain way you wanted to do it or ideas you had but did you go and kind of look at um what is it sound Rink or uh I'm trying to think of the company that just does meet and greets um but did you kind of look at what other bands were doing or did you kind of just sit down with 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 liz or whoever and just say hey this is what we're thinking what do you think?
0: It was pretty loose. We all sort of were just like, "Is it time? Do we try this?" Okay, like let's try it. But none of us have ever gone to a meet and greet.
1: Okay, we've seen. That's interesting.
0: We've seen them happen, mm-hmm. um, and the ones we've seen happen have all been a, a picture, and that's it. Okay, it's been like you know, you show up, you do a photo with the artist, and that's all. And uh, we all didn't. We all wanted. We knew it had to be beyond that. I didn't want to mm-hmm. charge people money just to take a photo with us, especially since until the past year we would go out after the shows and try to stand by the merch and do that just cuz it it seems meaningful to people yeah um but the past year we you know i haven't been able to do that it just becomes more challenging um literally getting to the merch table becomes a challenge it just gets more complicated sure uh so you know we we all wanted it to be to have like you know some items that we could offer that were mm-hmm. just special to the to the situation and Something I'd like to do in the future that I think would make for like a dynamic meet and greet, if they were big enough, is mm-hmm. to play one song acoustic. Yeah. Because something we all started doing this year is doing uh, many more acoustic sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, our bassist, is an amazing keyboard player. And uh, piano is my favorite instrument. That was the first instrument I played. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you see, I still have a keyboard and I'll, yes, I write a do. lot of this stuff. on Birthday cake I wrote on keys, okay. for example. Um and having that has just been so amazing because I love playing loud music and th- and having that sort of high energy and distortion. But I also really like it when it's quiet because mm-hmm. it does give more space for the lyrics to, for them to like percolate and just to hear the songs as, as songs and to hear them stripped down. Uh, so it's been really cool to dig into that this past year. And I think that would be a a neat thing to bring to a meet and greet is that, you know, we'll do one of the songs acoustic for everybody, which isn't something we do at our typical live show.
1: Sure. You do something artwork related too. maybe you could have like a, a what's the, um, I guess it's all time constraints too, especially if you can get to the town in time and everything else and have Mm -hmm. enough time to do it. But with how many, uh, what you've been talking about with your, with your commission work and stuff where people are like really connecting on an artistic level, like as far as like, you know, pen and paper, uh, paints, all that stuff yeah doing something cool like that like a little uh like a a, not a class but like where you guys all do something together like Mm. you know like like somewhere collaborative thing i love that yeah where and everyone gets to take it you know take it home or whatever or or, um, yeah, we could make like
0: a print of a collaborative we could have like everyone i mean this is complicated but i love to come up with like complicated art plans is having everyone at the meet and greet contribute something artistically to this one greater piece sort of like an exquisite corpse style thing with drawing and then Turning that into a print and somehow getting that to everyone who contributed to it. We actually did something similar with a couple of years ago. I like insisted, I think a little bit. I mean, I think our management label were happy about it, but they were mm. like, fuck, this girl's complicated. <laughs> I was like, I want to do a zine where I've drawn the eyes and all of our fans fill in the creature around the eyes because I'm a big I'm a big fan of drawing creatures. Okay. Um, And it works and we got all these submissions and it was so fun because, you know, people's kids would submit, they would submit, some people would submit multiple things and just it's, it's always cool seeing how differently different people see the same pair of eyes and different Mm -hmm. ways to contextualize that. That's always been uh, really exciting to me about art, but we've, um, I've started to sell prints of the art at the shows Mm -hmm. just in the past Uh, in the past maybe like eight months or so um, because I was just getting requests for them all the time and Mm -hmm. I was like let's just bring these on the road but the main I wasn't there were a couple markets that we that I did sell originals because I just was inspired to make them and I would just do you know kind of quick concept originals and sell those but mostly it would be the prints in the main the main series I did like years ago at this point was called a series of sad planets and I drew every single planet looking very devastated Mm -hmm. so there's nine of them and then i added the sun in kind of recently and yeah people seem to connect with those and we have them as enamel pins as well but we don't we don't really really have those at the shows those are also expensive (laughs) yeah you know we i never did them with the band i did them it was always separate from the band Mm -hmm. my art stuff i i did design all of the merch for the most part Mm -hmm. up until up until like the last couple of designs um that's always been that's always been me, and that's that's been fun to see that work, and c- definitely like in s- seeing how people connected with the images on the merch made me feel like it was the right thing to do to bring more of my art mm-hmm. in into that space to make it available to people if they wanted it. Yeah. But it's it's definitely like uh, uh, it's definitely different than the music, but there's there's enough overlap that it all feels it all feels right in the same place to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you, you seem to get a lot of engagement from, from fans, from what you've been talking about too, with, with the submissions and everything else. When you put something out there, like a call to action, like you get a lot of things back. Um, have this is another thing along the meet and greet monetizing things, but have you seen that website cameo?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you
1: ever thought of doing that?
0: I can't even tell you. Cameo has probably sent us fifteen emails. In oh, the past, are you serious? Like, They've reached out to you. Oh my God, have they reached out to us? They Whoa, just no,
1: I didn't know. This. I think that this the is... way
0: that their marketing team works is that like if you show them, if you respond to them one time, which I did, uh-huh. I responded one time, then they email you forever. Oh, perfect. Yeah, this guy David at Cameo. What's up, David? Like, haven't met <laughs> David, but he he just continues the email. I'm like, I haven't. I was like, I haven't written you back in so long, <laughs> but I think that their team is just like on the hustle and that it's uh, and a, and a very lucrative idea that's very, that's working for them. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I've thought about it and we've talked about it. Um. Yeah, you know, I've considered it. I feel kind of, kind of weird about it. I, I don't know if it would be the... I don't. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't decided. David still emails, and I still yeah. don't write him back because I'm David, like, you know, how much? Knock
1: it off, David.
0: But if, if <laughs> I was sh- if I was sure it would be effective, I guess I'd go for it. I don't know. What do you think about
1: it? You should send David a cameo. I think is what you should do.
0: Just be like, what's up, David? Yeah, this is Leah it... from Slothra. Yeah. I just want to say ha- Wish happy you a birthday. We big fucking
1: birthday, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: have a great birthday, my love to your dog every Pepper. Time, you yeah. Know?
1: Every time he sends you an email, respond with a cameo. <laughs> That's what you should do first off regardless so of what funny. you do. I'm do like, this the... is my
0: Venmo handle. You can yeah. hit me with 50 bucks. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's worth a shot because I think if you're doing the meet and greet stuff, like that takes a lot of effort to do. These are little things that and I I go both ways on Cameo too. Like yeah. I've looked at it and been like, "Man, that'd be kind of cool to, you know, have so and so, you know, say happy anniversary to my wife or something like." But then I'm like, Hmm, I would use this for something different, you know, like, uh, you know, more, uh, I don't know. I, I go both ways on Cameo. Do you but think I should try it? I think you should try it. Really? But I think you should, you know, put it up at a fair price. Like one of the, you know, just start out small.
0: They told but me I that their they, starting price is 30 bucks.
1: That's bullshit.
0: You think that's too high, right? No,
1: no, that's not their lowest price. Oh, that's just not no, their lowest one, price. one like 15 bucks, 10 bucks like you can set whatever you want i'm sure that's uh-huh. the 30 bucks thing is is like uh some big movie star maybe would start at 30 bucks for like 2 days and see if anyone goes for it and then they go for it then it goes up to like i think tommy lee is like at $450 or something like
0: that per shout out per shout out wow
1: and uh the dude uh okay i was going to bring this up earlier i forgot going back to yoga really quickly do you watch shark tank
0: um I have before. Okay. Not so like Mr. Wonderful
1: from Shark Tank. Okay. $999 for a cameo. Wow. There's a company that went on Shark Tank. They use baby goats in yoga and the baby goats stand on your back.
0: I know all about that.
1: Well, shit. <laughs> I, never I love heard that. that you do? I love that okay. idea.
0: I've never done it, but it's... it's So long as the goats I are think happy...
1: either here or Arizona, they were talking about. they in California or Arizona where they were starting out? I think
0: there's one in LA. I'm not positive, but
1: that's interesting that you've heard of that then because yeah, yeah.
0: Our, our friends uh there's this band that comes on tour with us a lot called and the kids and uh-huh. they've done that before interesting they have done the goat yoga <laughs>
1: well yeah so there you go so there's the tie-in the yeah. shark tank and the 999 dollars. I'm pretty sure it's that. the t- the highest so one. And I, people so buy I, it. So do I start at? People buy it. So, <laughs> Well, I'm saying that's depending on how you feel I about wanna, it. If you I'm feel <laughs> weird about it, I would start small and just see what happens.
0: I feel like I'm someone you get some who... some weird <laughs> requests,
1: though, I'm sure. You would get some weird requests. You think so? I'm sure everyone does. I wonder. But being a female, too, you're going to get some fucking weird requests. You know, you know, I, think I have it's gotten still... some weird requests
0: like, you know, there was this one couple we we find that a lot of our uh, some of our like most passionate fans are mm-hmm. couples that are like the band's meaningful to the couple. There's this one couple from like somewhere in Tennessee that they wrote us messages about this for like months and then came to the show and brought it up again. I was like, I'm not going to do this. And this woman just really she wanted me to kiss her husband on the cheek and then punch him in the face. What? She was like, just give him a little kiss. And just then punch him little, in the face. Him punch him in the face. Give him a good slap. I was like, I am not gonna do either of those things. <laughs> and they like insist, like they wrote, they wrote a bunch of messages for a while. They really but had that's this
1: specifically what they wanted through the whole yeah, they, correspondence. They clearly was had a like kiss a kiss and a punch.
0: Yeah, they had. The, and then they said either or would be okay in person. They were like, how about just the hit? Just the hit. I was like, no, I'm you know I'm a believer in nonviolence. Yeah. I'm certainly not hitting this 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 fan right now sure well I guess I'm assuming he's a fan that would go online for sure maybe so yeah I I, uh I passed on that oh so I don't know what I'd get on cameo but I you know I think I'm someone who like is learning how to not like undersell themselves now only in the past year have I been like wait why why didn't I ask for money in this situation like and I think that that's something that like if you're socialized as a woman like you are taught so much of the time to feel like you should just be grateful for the opportunities. And that you're lucky to be there, as yeah. opposed to that someone's lucky to have you there, and that you exactly. that you should ask for something. I've seen like so many men I grew up with be so comfortable advocating for for getting paid. Mm-hmm. I still see that. You see that all the time in the music industry, and I'm working to undo that in myself because you know when we first started playing out, I didn't even know that you got paid. I don't know how I thought that the thing worked, but <laughs> I've I've never been someone who knew when to advocate for for to get paid for yourself. And so now I'm, I'm definitely trying to be like, um, more, more mindful of that and undoing that sort of learned behavior of thinking that, that, you know, you're not of value in that way when there's so many other people that are so aggressive about, about their time. Mm -hmm. So
1: what you should do is, is find a peer on the same level as sloth rust, right? Or a male peer and ask them what they would charge on cameo. And then, Take that and double that, and reverse the trend.
0: <laughs> right? Do it backwards. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm trying to think what friends I have on there. I've got one friend on there. Uh, she's in this band called Surfboard. Mm-hmm. If you can ever have Surfboard on your podcast. You should have them because Surfboard, Surfboard with surf-board. a T. Surfboard. My friend Danny is. Um, she's literally the new face for Gucci Beauty, the makeup line. Holy uh, shit. She's uh, yeah, sort of like a less conventional look, very punk. Uh, uh-huh. the whole band is, is very punk and. Um, yeah, like they, she's a really, really brave and generous performer uh-huh. and she's, and you know, sort of works really hard and made her way. And then eventually got seen by the right people. And they were like, we want you to be a fucking supermodel. And she was like, sure. Yeah. Sure, like yeah, why whatever. not? <laughs> and she crushes it. She's, <laughs> she's really doing it now. And, uh, they have a really good ethos about them. And Danny is on cameo. I know, that, I know that she's on cameo. There you go. But you know, I think that she, I think she probably does really well on cameo. I don't know if I i don't know if i would charge as much as she does though she has a a really different uh fan base and much much wider reaching i think at this point with gucci i
1: i i think sloth rust is getting there i've 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 seen i would say 10 to 15 times more sloth rust more now than i have ever like when thomas told me about you i'd never heard of the band Mm -hmm. then i went and checked out the band like this is great and I would see it randomly, randomly, randomly. Then all of a sudden, with the pact, like it was everywhere. I was seeing, you know, posters up. I was in the restroom at Revolution Hall in Portland, and Martha's, the restaurant in there. I don't know if you've, have you have played Revolution Hall in Portland. It's a, it's an no. old high school.
0: Oh. E- maybe so we did play a giant what was like a gymnasium almost yeah. one time it's an, an old elevated high school. stage mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh that they repurposed so like the local grocery stores offices are in there revolution halls there like nick caves playing there in october yeah we
0: played there with heartless bastards is they, what it is years ago were you at the show
1: <laughs> no but i got what's the girl's name erica uh, wernerstrom yes i got an offer to interview her on the podcast oh cool you should. She's cool. I, I, I was going for it, but then I uh, something happened. I don't remember what it was. There's some scheduling conflict or something to where either I couldn't get there or she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. This is a long time ago. But um yeah, that might have been that might have been. You'll catch her show. when the
0: time is right. She lives in Austin. Yeah, but she's she, you know, she was on the road with Lucinda Williams this year doing a lot of really cool stuff. God, Lord. Uh I think she yeah, she's solo now. Yeah. And she's she's making it happen. She has a really powerful voice. Well, what I was saying was I was with I was uh, at Martha's eating something. I went
1: to use the restroom. New Red Pants is playing over the the speaker in there, and I'm just like,
0: "Nice!" What?
1: Oh, there they go again. Don't need them on. But um, the that was the weirdest part was was it's ever literally now everywhere. You know, like and that was so cool to see because and then magazines and online and you know, I see it all over the place.
0: That makes me so happy to hear because it's, it's really it's really hard to have a. Like, you know, when you're so close to that type of thing to have much of a perception of like, do people know this or is this not, does anyone listen to this or like, no, it's like, it's just, it's sort of hard to tell. Portland was definitely one of the first places that made me feel like, oh yeah, people, people are listening to this and people care. Cause we sold out that first night at Mississippi studios. Like, I guess that was back in uh, September of last year. Yeah. And that was our first time selling out a show in Portland and yeah, it was, it was a really passionate audience and mm. we're like, all right, let's come back and do two nights here and see how it goes. And yeah. Uh we did almost did the second sold... night sell out? It did not, but it was close. It was close to selling Dude, out. And I was crazy. like, damn, if we can sell it two nights in Portland. That's that is inspiring. And that's a city that uh it's it's a fun place to go. It's it has a, a nice energy about it and people are really passionate about music there. So
1: And Mississippi Studios is one of the best venues. Uh this was fun... <laughs> So I brought my buddy Kyle to see the show, right? Because uh, um, I had a plus one from, uh, yeah, from Lee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we're sitting up in the very back. Like there's like the weird couch cushions up in that mm-hmm. top corner. And uh, man, he, he, I don't remember how it happened. It was perfect timing though. Because we, we, like, we were sitting in, that's kind of my spot at Mississippi Studios. Like I love that spot. Like I can hear everything. It sounds really good. I can see everything. I'm not in a big crowd of people. You got it
0: all faked out yeah
1: exactly but he was saying something he's like have you seen anybody from sloth rust yet and i was like no and then you sat right next to him oh really like literally just right next to him and i was like oh well right there and he's like and he just looked forward was just like totally stunned
0: really and uh
1: he was yeah this was this was i showed him uh double down we were at work and i showed him double down he's like dude this is awesome and so like i was like hey they're coming to town." And that was one of those like starstruck moments for him for he, he was never in music or anything like that. So he gets very starstruck, uh-huh. uh, super easy. And it was just like all of a sudden I was like, I was like, you all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, OK. OK. <laughs> and then he like got up and walked away. And I, I was just like, well, how random is that? The one random open seat you know, the show's sold out. It was night one. Uh The show sold out. Just the random one little spot next to him that this guy was waiting for his girlfriend or whatever, for us to scoot over for, for them to sit down. It was just really funny. And I was like,
0: I find that if I wear a hood, I can kind of, you know, reasonably walk around before to watch the opening band. I believe the band we all, had on that tour was uh, Rituals of Mind. Yes, it was. Sacramento. You and you were watching
1: them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I loved to watch the Rituals of Mind set because they have such a dynamic light show and mm-hmm. such a dynamic set in general. They're both like amazing performers, really earnest, really present with the audience. Yeah. And I found it to be an inspiring set to watch before our show. It's We like to bring opening bands with us that will sort of set the stage up energetically in a way that feels exciting to go on after them sure uh and so yeah I, I loved to watch rituals when i could so yeah i would sort of sneak <laughs> out and just apparently sit down next to strangers and yeah watch a little yeah. bit and then get up and leave
1: it was funny watching his face just change he was just like <laughs> like someone just like walked in the room you know, you know like just like freaked him out like yeah it's funny watching that I, mean,
0: I honestly feel so grateful for the type of fans we have i just feel like everyone everyone is really reasonable you know no one i we've toured we toured with this band highly suspect a lot Mm -hmm. and their fans are also amazing and fantastic, but uh, they can be quite aggressive to them. I've seen them have to very much run and hide from their fans because their fans will like charge them. They just are very obsessed. They want to be really close with them. They feel Uh like they know them so well and they feel entitled to having this intimacy with them that I think can be really stressful for a performer. And um, our fans for the most part, aren't like that they're, they're available for it and they, they, and they are they're just great. And, you know, people will come up and like say something, maybe want like a photo, share a quick story, but like no one's it, it's really uncommon that someone actually makes me uncomfortable. and mm. I, I that makes me so happy because I think that it, it's a it's kind of a curse that a lot of um, performers find themselves with fans that they that they don't connect with or, or that they don't want because they're too aggressive, they're too demanding. they follow them around they you know have bad boundaries that type of thing mm. and i've I, i've i've had that fear before i've been like you know what do you do if you build this career and then the people who come to your shows aren't the people that you want to be with you know yeah um and wow like it is the opposite in our case i, I love the people who come out to our shows they are the people that i want to be with that i, I connect with so mm-hmm. I feel seriously grateful every day for that
1: that's awesome i mean do you do you get um how much interaction do you have with fans like off the road? Like, do you, do fans message you? I mean, do you, I mean, I guess, do you check like DMS on Instagram and things like that to where people, I know a lot of times people will write in things that are pretty, uh, intense, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, your song helped me get through this or, mm-hmm. uh, your words helped me with this. Um, you know, I have this going on, you uh you know or they feel like they connect with you do you get a lot of messages like that from fans where it's not necessarily a boundary thing but like where you find you really have touched somebody or with what you do or um you know like a lot of people don't have the guts to come up and say that to your face at a show but maybe they'll send a message or or something like that you know people talk about that all the time where people will, you know, write and confess things to people in entertainment, you know, like mm-hmm. confess murders or oh my God. soldiers from overseas, <laughs> like things they've done, like they'll just Ugh. write it. And like, I have to tell somebody and I know you'll understand. Like, oh man, do you get
0: stuff like that? Um, I, I've never gotten a murder confession. Not, not like that.
1: That's a extreme, but
0: I, 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 I do have people in the military who have written to us before actually. But, um, I would say that. We do get a decent amount of messages and like you know sort of different platforms mostly from people, how ha- saying uh, that the music has helped them through dark periods of their life, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looked like. It's it's a range of what it you know some people who have had various physical mental mental health issues mm-hmm. is really common. Um, so yeah, we do get messages like that and or uh, another you know messages from a lot of queer people saying that that it's that it's been like helpful to see another queer person, yeah, you know, with a microphone and, uh, you know, being open ish about their life or whatever. So yeah, that's always really lovely and it's appreciated even if I'm not able to write everybody back because it's just, it can be, you know, an, an overwhelming lifestyle, but mm. it's not cause I don't appreciate it because I really do. And, um, really care about that the time that i'm most attentive to my dms like i can get kind of like you know lost on the lost in the internet it's it's confusing they change the way the fucking platform works like every week or so my yeah. i've been horrified of getting i've had the same computer for about five years and i don't want to get a new computer because they ditch the fucking usbs the us the usb inputs are you kidding me you know even in this room alone <laughs> you see i have my keyboard USB. I got my monitors, USB, my interface, USB. And then this, this new computer doesn't even have, I'm sorry, a headphone jack? You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh my God. But uh, uh, when I'm doing the like art commission rounds, I'm more attentive to my DMs just because I don't want to miss anyone who's like looking for something. But mm-hmm. I also, honestly, two days ago, made a new email address for myself so people can just contact me on there for commissions because the internet gets confusing. You miss stuff all the time. Yeah. So yeah. I try to... Be, I'm I'm better on email at this point.
1: Okay, man, that's interesting. Like you, you're you're in an interesting spot too because it seems like, um, you know, nowadays, uh, like, so you mentioned you mentioned um, when when did you come out to to like publicly to I mean you're pretty open about your um your your uh, I queerness I feel, I feel this is this is hard for you me can because call it it's fine. I feel so bad. I don't feel bad I feel I don't know the right way to say it like I've I always felt so I worked uh, in between tours I worked for a club that did uh, a lot of they do like the blow pony events and things like that uh, up in Portland and they would always call them queer events Mm -hmm. and growing up I always thought of that term as derogatory so I never used it in my vocabulary Mm -hmm. so I would always like push it away but then everyone started referring to themselves this way so I was like, is that what I say? You know, do I say, you know, homosexual? Do I say, like, what's the proper term? So I always, it's hard for me on the show to feel comfortable asking that question. I've had, um, I don't know if, uh, there's a band called Russian Circles. Um, sure, I know them. Brian Cook.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was talking to him about this because I was like, you know what? Because I get a lot of emails after um, some episodes where we, we talk like about, um like addiction or or, uh, mental illness, like hearing so-and-so say this had me get help.
3: And Mm -hmm. I always
1: forward those emails on. But with him, I I asked him, I was like, do you have any advice for someone out there listening right now that's struggling with who they are, uh, being open with who they are, if they're going to be open with who they are, you know, sitting there like, how do I say this to my parents? How do I say this to my friends? People are, you know, treating me this way. Like who, you know, I asked him, and he answered and he gave a, a, a really good deal. And then, uh, you know, I told him a buddy of mine, Adam uh, from Fear for the March of Flames, when he came out to his dad, it was a funny story because he he basically called his dad. His dad was in the garden working. And he's, he's like, Dad, I got to talk to you about something. He's like, Yeah, son, what is it? And he said, uh, Well, I just don't want you to be upset. His dad's like, What? What is it? He's like, Dad, I'm, I'm gay. And it was just silence, like nothing. Mm-hmm. And so his stomach just sank. He's just like, oh, shit. And then uh, just a little while later, his dad's like, "What? wait, what was that, son? I couldn't hear you. And he's just like, oh, my <laughs> God. Completely <laughs> no. wasted the one shot like he had. To, and so he said it again. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever makes you happy, son. That's cool. Uh-huh. So he's sitting there like in anguish, you know. But anyways, I don't know the proper way to address I don't, and I feel I've and pardon my my naivete, but um, I don't I don't uh, ever refer to um, I don't use the queer word in when I'm when I'm speaking about that. but when you when you came out, how old were you when you came out to like family or friends or I mean was it recently?
0: Um, no, but to address just one one thing that I yeah, feel I, like can be helpful in in sort of this conversation and people in these conversations, is I find in my experience that people don't like to be, uh, like qualified as one specific thing. So when sure. someone says the gays, homosexuals, blacks, Mexicans,
1: yeah. Blanket statement, you know,
0: statements like that, uh, because people are so much more than that. Yeah. Someone who is a person of color is a queer person is a woman is, is a non-binary person. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a, that's a facet of their identity, but it's not the whole identity. And I think that when someone is a straight white cis person, they have the instinct sometimes to like throw that big label on it because part of it is just like antiquated language, I think. Um, but I think luckily I do see society growing out of that and starting to be like, Oh, this, this is a person who is queer, but they are also all these other things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, you know, seen and appreciated by people who are in marginalized groups for sure. Yeah. But it's funny that you use the word homosexual because my mom uh, is involved sometimes in these like sort of like a PTA type situation. And she made this like pamphlet years ago that was supposed to be kind of like an advice thing, helping parents talk to their kids who may or may not be queer or gay. What You know, however, um, and she uh, she was like, can you proofread this for me? You know, I'd love to have your opinion on it. I was like, okay. And I, the first sentence was like homosexual youth who blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, right off the bat, (laughs) right off the bat. No, no one wants to be a homosexual youth. Nobody, no one's really looking for that title. I think that the term homosexual is one that's become really dated because it feels um, medical in a way. And it feels like clinical, clinical, exactly. It feels like it was used by people who weren't sure who were like, oh, well, we, we need to come up with a scientific term for this group of people who uh, we don't quite understand. Let's call them the homosexuals, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. almost like propaganda style. So but it's funny because she she's, you know, well-meaning. She's yeah. completely fine with with queer people. And she still was was doing was she was was talking about it like that. And I think that something I do try to preach is that if one has the time and patience and is comfortable with it it's good to have those conversations when you see like someone like my mom um, using a word or, or in a way that isn't preferable and explaining why, and then they'll do it differently next time. And that's actually how you make an impact in the world is if you, I've been trying to on this past tour, say something on stage every time about abortion rights, because I would encourage someone that if they have a family member, or a friend who is super, super pro-life and, and, mm. to to talk to them and understand why they feel that way. And then to try to change their minds because, you know, everyone should make their own choices for their own body. And we won't really make all that much progress as a country until we're able to change the minds of people who are thinking with, you know, antiquated systems in place that don't actually make for a more progressive America. Sure. Sure.
1: I mean, I, I, yeah, like I, it's a, it's a subject it's for me is is i, I say i grew up in a mormon household in alaska so my parents still to this day uh and so like growing up in alaska just as an example like it, my middle school we had one Afri- african american kid mm-hmm. the rest were just white people oh, <laughs> you had to go to anchorage to get and so you never really you never really got exposed to any other cultures except for in the native culture up there of course but my parents still to this day if they're describing someone at work like oh so and so tom uh he's a black guy uh that's what they do they always like, he they 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 put a label on it mm-hmm. immediately or uh you know um my my boss you know tammy she's gay uh like they have to <laughs> put it in there yeah, yeah and i'll yeah. just sit there like like shaking my head like why did you need to do it why when you tell me about steve you don't say he's a white guy Mm -hmm. you don't say that only when there's something different and they don't mean it in a mean way or anything like that it's just like this pre-conditioned thing like it's anything that's different from them and they're discussing it with you they have to let you know like it's weird it's like this tick yeah totally and i've and i've Never been one to do that, but I've always never known the other way to do it. You know what I mean? Where, um, like we were just talking about, like I when I threw that word out there, like that was what instantly in my mind I was like, okay, blanket statement kind of thing. Where to not what I was talking about, not using the the word queer when I would describe you know or or talk about somebody, it always felt derogatory to me. But it's it's interesting to see how things have changed, and and you know, there is so much more support for people. That's the thing that concerns me the most is people that listen that are not open about who they are and they just hold it inside. And then it just causes all these issues with, with them like trying to get it out in other ways. And I always worry when I get those emails from someone that, that either like, what did they do up to this point? You know what I mean? Where like, like after Brian's interview, I I got an email uh, saying how that interview helped get them, to, to come out and be honest to who they were and for themselves, you know, like let it out. It just makes me think what happened up to that point. Like, what did they go through up to that point? The anguish and stuff, you know, not being comfortable in your own skin and not, you know, it's just weird. I don't know. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Here, I, no,
0: I think something that's really important and, and, um, something I would like suggest practicing is you just ask people how they, you know, how they like to be, what, what they're, what pronouns they take, um, yeah. What you know, the way that they would like to describe themselves, and sort of in putting the agency back into someone else's hands. And I think that sometimes there will be a backlash from that because there's people who are tired of talking about it, tired of being questioned about it. They don't feel the need to explain mm-hmm. their identity all the time, and I think that that's completely valid as well. But uh, I think it is. I think that it is better to ask and potentially. So potentially get a response from someone that's, you know, essentially saying, "I don't want to talk about this with you," which is something to hear and respect, as opposed to just assuming that you know. Yeah. And then and having that person feel, you know, mislabeled, judged, uh, that will bring up feelings in someone that usually, like, you know, younger, mm-hmm. younger feelings that can be like triggering of previous painful experiences versus you know, an experience of saying, you know, I don't feel like talking to you about this right now. Actually, I'm going to pass on this. Yeah. I think that's preferable. Okay. Yeah.
1: makes a lot of sense. I I really appreciate, you know, the time and, and being able to discuss all these things, everything from, you know, (laughs) cameo to, you (laughs) know, DMX and everything else, but uh, I just love, I just love these conversations and I'm, I'm, so happy you took the time to come on the show and and uh i mean what's next for for sloth rust for you um you know in the in the near future here i mean you guys just wrapped tour. um mm-hmm. you know is it writing new record time is it focus on other things like what do you have going on
0: hmm so many things yeah you know this summer A lot of my focus is definitely like, you know, working on various art projects, Mm -hmm. working on my instrumental music. I'd like to get deeper into uh, scoring television, scoring film. I've always been really passionate about that. Uh, So I'm excited to have some time where I can sort of devote more to that world and thinking about thinking about ways to sculpt different interesting sounds and ways to put together soundtracks and, and, and music outside of just the band that being said, it's also right any record time. So, we're uh you know, I'm, I'm sort of digging into that. I have some new songs that are, you know, in the process and uh we're also going to announce some tour dates pretty soon just uh, okay. going out with a different band. So no no more headline shows for yeah. a while actually. Okay. Uh but yeah, we'll do some support shows and then we'll just be working on new music and sort of I, I try not to force the vision. I try to just like have the channel open and then let it all come to me. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we get some good stuff. Man, that's <laughs> we'll awesome. see. This will be a, my sixth full length. Uh, so uh, it's exciting. a lot, but it is exciting. It is exciting. I'm, I think that I see bands go a, lot, go a lot of different ways with it. There's a lot of bands that will be together for a long time and they finally put out their first record and yeah. it, it'll pop off for them and that's like their thing. And I'm like... Damn. All right. Record number four. Finally, people are <laughs> like, oh, okay. I think I've seen that band's name somewhere, but I'm just the type of person who likes to create pretty consistently and move it into the world and mm-hmm. move that energy and keep it going. I don't really like to sit on things. And I find that, uh, just putting it out and you, it is, is the move for me. And then you can kind of find more inspiration from there, get on to to, to different ideas. Okay.
1: Let's see, see one, I, and I'll, I, just to put this out there too, like I really appreciate uh, what you've put out there in the world. Like it means a lot to me. I really enjoy, I mean, I've, I, I've listened to you. Ever since Thomas sent me that that text like, hey, you know, Dr. Leah, I've listened to at least, you know, a couple times a week, Sothrust, ever since then. Like, it, you know, either it's work in the car, sharing it with my daughter. Now my wife is into it too.
0: Love that. I, I love a whole family who awesome. likes the like band that makes me so happy. It's great.
1: And but but just as an appreciation for me to you of what you've done, I mean, it means a lot to me. It's awesome to get to sit here and talk to you in your studio like it's that's totally killer. But thank you for putting what you put out there. You know what I mean? It's 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 something I get to take with me anywhere and listen to whenever I'm feeling anything, happy, sad, whatever. It always hits me differently. But I appreciate what you do and, hmm. and your artwork so well thank you so much i appreciate so, it um yeah and thank you again for coming on
0: no problem I'm glad, glad we cool. could do this in person i yeah. think that's always it's a better, always way. better way to go if you can pull it off so yeah. i'm glad that you were just happen to be and coming thanks, to la today yeah I was thanks like, for
1: you know. welcoming welcoming us into your home and everything <laughs> else i know the that problem. can be weird i was just like we can meet somewhere she's like no just go over I'm okay
0: yeah i was, I was like just tell them to come to my house just tell them to come over you know I, I love when i'm not on the road i love just staying in my house yeah and it's not not going to as many places so I'm I'm so lucky to have this studio space so
1: this is killer yeah and you guys both have a space in here too yeah Charlotte has her yeah yeah, quick plug for Charlotte Charlotte's her name okay Charlotte Uh,
0: Charlotte's my partner and she is a Reiki practitioner and master and she works a lot with animals Mm -hmm. actually she's really passionate about horses but also you know dogs cats really any creature she's yeah she's just deeply in in tune with nature and animals and she works with people a lot too. And so it's been great that for her to have her own studio space because she can have clients over here yeah. um, to do sessions. And um, yeah, she she travels a lot to do that type of work as well. And it's it's been meaningful and cool to see our lives kind of align here in, in this way.
1: That's awesome. Everything's coming together. Yeah. I am. Okay. Well, thank you,
0: Leah. Thank you.
1: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Leah Wellbaum from Slothrust. I had an absolute blast, like I said in the intro. Uh, Went to her house, went back to her studio, had a great conversation. Uh, You know, we've been able to keep in touch ever since. And hopefully I'll see them in the fall when they come through uh, Portland again. They've been having some really great success here in Portland as well as everywhere else, seeing them on huge festivals and things like that. So uh, I'm glad people are taking notice and making that band as big as they need to be because they are going to be huge. Um, check out the album "The Pact." It's amazing. Um, just you got to listen to it three or four times, maybe more, to catch everything. I mean, you, you'll find it's one of those albums you find things every time you listen to it you didn't notice before. Um, listen to it in headphones. Listen to it on stereo. You'll pick out stuff every time. Uh, so big thanks again to them. Big thanks to Lee for diligently keeping on them about getting that interview together. And big thanks to Lee again for accepting that and and uh, and bringing us on. So, uh, guys, I'm going to make this brief because I have got to get out of here, but I am so glad to have you guys week after week. Check out the website, purepleasurepodcast.com, has everything on there you could possibly need. Tell a friend, please go and rate the show on iTunes. Um, you know, it, it really helps us out with chart position, it helps us out with everything. So, ratings, reviews. Um, definitely hit us up on email, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. If you've got questions, concerns, issues, just want to talk, we're always here. And guys, thank you so much. And we'll see you on the radio.
2: Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with guests about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of The Offspring, Thrice, Rancid, Rise Against, and more. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.